Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. I want to talk to uh, Ari Goldkind, criminal lawyer in Toronto, media commentator, and a good friend of this program. So always glad to have Ari with us. Now, I have a question for you, Ari, that uh, you don't know what's coming, but I know you'll have an answer. But before I do that, and it's something that we did 30-plus years ago, when an almost identical situation presented itself, and, uh, and it took over the show for two days, not the five days that the do you trust police question uh, did, but this also has to do with police. But let me ask you, first of all, for your response or your reaction to the fact, the Statistics Canada tells us that violent crime continues to rise and the murder rate is the highest in 30 years in this country. Why? All right. Good afternoon to you, Roy. Hi. And uh, I should say that your audience should know that you and I don't uh, chat about what we're going to talk about. So I didn't know that question was coming. So let me give you an honest answer. One, because we don't tell the truth about crime. You can't tell the truth about crime, Roy. You can't come close to solving it. Two, we don't have an honest discussion about how this country has changed over the last 20 to 30 years. Demographics have changed. Immigration is at an all-time high. And if anybody doesn't think, if you look at a court docket or look at the influence or effect of immigration on the criminal justice system, you are simply a liar, or if I put it more benignly, a dishonest broker. Three, there has been a massive lie told to the public by a very small subset of racial grifters from the lady who drove that principal to commit suicide to all people involved basically in that ruse post-George Floyd. What do I mean by that? There is this pernicious idea that black people do not like police or that people of color do not want to have police around, including in their kids' school. That is a pernicious lie, whether you're rich whether you're poor, whether you're white, whether you're Jewish, Muslim, Asian, or somewhere all over the spectrum. If you go door to door to people and talk about the number one thing they want in their communities, whether it's Forest Hill or Rosedale in Toronto, or the Lower East Side in Vancouver, Roy, get away from the grifters and the woke dishonest liars, and you will find people welcome police, not only want more police, Roy, but they also want police to be proactive. So the fourth, and you know, everything is a rule of three, but the fourth answer is that the police over the last decade, because of these racial grifters, have stopped doing what's called proactive policing. They are only responding to when the shooting is finished and the bodies are lying on the pavement like that mother of two in Toronto that Olivia Chow had time to go to a refugee church yesterday, but not to her memorial or the memorial for the shot dog. So everything in my answer 
ties into identity and woke politics and the lack of proactive policing, which would be so important to reducing murder and shooting. Okay, so that the question I'm going to ask now has to do with the police. Um, and I'm going to be very interested to find out what the education minister in Ontario, well, the investigation shows into the suicide of the uh, of the principal. In fact, we'll talk to Tasha Carradine, who is a friend of the principal's, in the next hour. But here's the question. Three people, including a 16 and a 12-year-old, have been charged in a series of robberies of sports trading cards in the greater Toronto area with a gun involved. When police arrested two of the suspects, they found a load, loaded firearm. Charges have been laid against the youths and the adult who was in violation of bail conditions. Surprise, surprise. But the question that I'm asking Ari is this, and again, it's the one that was posed approximately 30 years ago and received massive response. At the time, a 12-year-old was involved in convenience store robberies and flashed a handgun in the process. And the question was, and is again, what should a police officer do who encounters a 12-year-old child or a child who appears to be, a person who appears to be about that age, brandishing a very real or very real-looking handgun, and that child points the real or real-looking gun at the police officer? What must that police officer do in order to protect anyone in the immediate vicinity and the officer's own life? Does that officer open fire, Ari? Or does that officer hold fire because of the apparent age of the person with the firearm. What do you say? All right, Roy, you and I have talked for many years on many segments, and I don't think you've ever asked me an easier question. So given the ease of the question, and there's a viral video right now, by the way, of a very similar situation in California. The second that that 12-year-old, 14-year-old, 16-year-old, 17-year-old, or quite frankly, Roy, 89-year-old, picks up a firearm that is unmistakably a firearm and points it at an officer or an innocent victim, it is not only the officer's duty to make sure that officer returns home to his family or her family that night, it's that officer's duty to protect the people that that 12- or 89-year-old may be shooting at. I don't care who disagrees with me. The idea that somehow you're immune from an officer serving and protecting the second that you aim a firearm at an officer or somebody else and somehow you get a get-out-of-jail-free card because you're a 12-year-old monster instead of an 18-year-old monster, I'm sorry. I'm not clutching my pearls. I am much more interested in the officer making it home to their family or the people that the 12-year-old is robbing with that firearm not getting shot. And then we all have this kumbaya moment after where we wonder to ourselves, did the officer worry about pulling the trigger because there'd be a lot of mean tweets about him by the very grifters I talked about at the beginning of my answer on the other question. So, when I posed that question some 30-plus years ago, there were so many different points of view, and Ari, one was from a police officer who called in, who said, I have a child of that age, a son of that age. And the officer started to talk about the situation, and started to talk about the age of the child and what he would be going through with the officer if he were placed into that situation. That police officer already started to cry on the air. A veteran wow. cop, a veteran cop, not a rookie, a veteran cop. Yeah, well, I can assure you, Roy, and I'm sure we have to go to break soon, but there's no chance that that veteran cop's 12-year-old child 
or teenager or whatever you want to call them. It's now euphemistically called a boy if you look in the Toronto Star. They're always called a boy or a teen. No other description ever allowed verboten because of our ridiculous Youth Criminal Justice Act. But we need to stop pretending that these 12 and 14-year-olds that are walking around robbing people, shooting people, and carrying firearms are equivalent to your kid or your audience's 12 or 14-year-old kid. It's preposterous, and it's a false equivalency. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.